Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so, so honored that you've decided to listen with us today. Pastor McLaughlin this Sunday spoke a message entitled, With God, There Are No Coincidences. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope it ministers to you today. I want to um, read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Just as a point of information so that when you're reading through Scripture and you have an understanding, Apollos, well, who was Apollos? Apollos was a man, according to the book of Acts, who was extremely insightful in Scripture, but he didn't have the truth. He knew the Old Testament scriptures, but he did not have the truth. And so he's there expounding the word, and he meets this couple named Aquila and Priscilla who expounded the word more perfectly, that is, Jesus Christ. In fact, the scripture says that he only knew up to the baptism of John. And so he stopped at the baptism of John, and and yet when Aquila and Priscilla met with Apollos, they expounded the word more perfectly to him. He embraced that and then went back to the synagogue and he refuted the Jews with the authority of the word and was very, very, very instrumental in pushing the first century church forward. So, so when we say Apollos, he was a heavy hitter. In the first century church, that's why, that's why in this, in, in this, this particular chapter, Paul says, hey, you guys are arguing among yourselves. Some of you are saying, well, I was baptized of Apollos. Well, I was baptized of Paul. Well, I was baptized of Cephas. And, and so they were arguing on, they had preacher religion. And they were arguing on which preacher was better. Paul said, you got to get that out of your spirit. There, we're not looking at what preachers better. We're looking at God who gives the increase. We need to be a church that whoever steps into this pulpit, they've got the word for the hour. We need to get behind them. We need to get behind them. If they've only preached two times, we get behind them like they preached 2,000 times. If they preach 2,000 times, we get behind them. Amen. Everything is done for the glory of God. And so this is, this is Apollos. Paul said, I planted Apollos, watered, but before you give us kudos, it's God that gave the increase. Look at what Paul says, verse 7, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. But if you want to give someone glory, give it to God who gives the increase. Verse 8, Now he who plants and he who waters are what? Yeah, don't, don't, don't try to drive a wedge between us. We're a team. We're one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You, speaking to the church, are God's field. And you are God's building. I want to speak to you for just a little bit today on this thought with God There are no coincidences. With God, there are no coincidental occurrences. If you're here today, it is not an accident. If you're here today, it's not a coincidence. If you're here today, it is by divine appointment because in God's economy, there are no coincidences. I'm just telling you, God has destiny for somebody here today. God has a divine purpose and a divine plan, and it's not an accident that you walk through the doors of this church. 
God knows where you're at in life. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And He wants to fill you with His glorious Spirit. Can we give God praise right now? God, I feel something special in this house. God of heaven, there are no coincidences. God, we are believing you and trusting you today for your mighty hand and your mighty work. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It was not a coincidence that there goes trouble and here comes trouble met in the sixth grade. And these two young men, there goes trouble and here comes trouble had all but one class together. Seven total classes. They had six of them together. The here comes trouble was none other than the guy that got me in church named Andy Howard. When he walked into sixth grade, he walked in with a shirt on. Now this was an apostolic young man. I look back on that and I think, I can't believe his mom and dad let him wear that to school. Probably the truth of the matter is they didn't let him wear that to school. He wore something else before he walked into school, went to the bathroom, took the shirt off his mama put on him and put here comes trouble on. I had no idea what Pentecost was. I had no idea what Pentecostalism was. I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church, wasn't really raised in church, but that was my acquaintance with Christianity. And so I go to sixth grade, I'm, I'm going to Crane Junior High in Victoria, Texas. And while I did not have the shirt on that says, there goes trouble, I lived the life that meant there goes trouble. Dangerous chemistry when you get there goes trouble and here comes trouble together in the same class. That's not a good equation. I mean, you know, you know that, that, that this young man over here, there goes trouble. You know, if you keep him isolated and confined, you might be able to control him and everything's okay. But if here comes trouble and there goes trouble ever gets together and there's just some kind of combustible, you know, just something happens when you get Carl McLaughlin and Andy Howard together. Youth choir tour is coming up. Who are those two that are perfectly fine by themselves? But when you put them together, oh Jesus. <laughs> All of a sudden you get this explosion that happens. I know that doesn't happen anymore. But in Victoria, Texas, in the early 80s, at Crane Junior High, Carl McLaughlin and Andy Howard met, and we had six classes together. I don't need to tell you, but I will. When spring semester came around, we didn't have any classes together, <laughs> literally. The counselor, the principal, everybody got together and said, don't put Carl McLaughlin and Andy Howard together in the same class. That does not need to happen. Man, you know how it is. You know how it is. You're looking at your classes and you give your friend a call. It's like, Andy, dude, what classes did you get? And I'm going through my classes and we're like, we didn't get first hour together. Oh, no. We didn't get second hour together. Oh, great. We're going to have to go to the counselor's office. Hey, see if your mom can call the school and work a deal out. we got to at least get a couple of classes together, man. It's like, we didn't get any classes together. But we had that fall semester. We had that first semester together. We had six of seven classes. We wanted all seven classes because Andy and I, man, we just, I mean, we hit it off from the beginning. It's like, it's like we were just made to be best friends. And I had an elective, I don't remember, probably it was a speech class, my elective, because my mom was a senior English teacher, and she wanted to make sure that I pronounced or enounced, my enunciation was right. She wanted to make sure that I said everything correctly. She wanted to make sure that I know how to speak publicly. And so she said, son, she called me Carmichael. She said, Carmichael, you need to take speech class. And, uh, and so it was either speech or art. Or homemaking. You remember you had homemaking class where you go in there and you learn how to cook. 
Well, I don't want homemaking. My Mimi does a good job and she taught me well. Um, Art. I'm just going to be a goof off in art. (laughs) Band. I'll take speech later, but I want band because Andy was in band. Well, I went to band class. And, and, And so... Andy, you know, that's okay. Well, what instrument would you like to play, Carl? And I'm thinking, man, the trumpet. I want to play the trumpet. The trumpet looks like a cool instrument to play. And the problem was is that all the trumpets were taken up. And so then I thought, you know what's really cool? Percussion. I want to play the drums, man. I, I, want, to, I want to play percussions. I want, I want to learn. I, I want to be that cool guy in band. And so, man, I'm telling Mr. Cowan, the band director, I said, Mr. Cowan, I want to play trumpet. And Mr. Cowan said, Carl, I'm sorry. Uh, all, we got all the, everyone's taken, that's taken up. No more trumpets left. Um, okay, I want to play the drums or percussion. You know, I, I think I'll be good at that. And said, well, you know, Carl, I'm sorry. Said, we got that taken care of. Said, but there's an instrument that uh, you're pretty, you know, pretty sizable young man. You got broad shoulders. And um, there's an instrument that I think you'd be really good at. And so I'm like, well, yes, sir, Mr. Cowan. What is that? He said, the tuba. The tuba. That kind of tuba. That exact tuba, not exact, but it was, it was dented and dinged, and I'm like, uh, but Mr. Cowan, uh, I really, I really want to play the trumpet. And, and then he's like, no, and so then I thought, well, man, I've got to negotiate with this teacher. What about the trombone? Anything but the tuba. And he said, no, he said, I need a tuba player. And he said, I think that you would be really good. And I think, you know, when we march, you'd be able to hold it up for a long time. And he said, I want you to come back to the band hall. And so I went back into the band hall and we start walking through. And I'm looking at that object almost just like that. But it was a little bit more brass, not quite as silver. And there were like four or five of them lined up. And they were all dented and dinged. And they looked like they came off of Noah's Ark. And I'm like, man, that's just not going to look cool with the girls. I'm like, you, hey, junior high, what? What? Elementary school is like, ooh, girls have cooties. Junior high is like, hey, baby, where you been all my life? <laughs> and so I'm like, this is not going to be cool if I've got to play the tuba. Not one girl is going to want to give me the time of day if I've got to play the tuba. Mr. Cowan said, Carl, you're playing the tuba. And he said, I need you to take this home and I need you to practice so that when you come back to band, you know what you're doing. And you know, I don't know, I still don't, to this day, I still don't know, you know, harmony and notes and unison and uh, I don't know, man. I get around them and I listen to them start talking about B flat and everything and I'm like, man, just, just let me stick with theology. I'm all right with theology. Embarrassing. So a couple of things here. I was 12 years old, Liam. I was 12 years old. First of all, my mom drove. Now, this is no big deal when you get older, but when you're a kid, what your mom drives and the car that she picks you up in from school matters. When all your friends are watching what kind of car your mom has, it matters. It matters. She had a 1972 Buick that was that, it was that, that, that brownish green color, looked like a submarine, had a big dent in it. And it had a big dent in it because I, I grew up in a, a, a dysfunctional home where my mom drank three to four times a week. And she got so drunk that when she was pulling into the apartment complex, she ran into the post uh, that held up the parking lot. Or not the parking lot, but the, but the garage. The parking lot. The garage. And when she turned in, she smashed the car. Well, we didn't have money to get the car fixed. So we had to tell lies as to why there was a dent in the car. But that's what you do in dysfunctional families. You learn how to tell lies to hide the embarrassment of the dysfunction. And so, man, I'm already embarrassed about the Chevy. I'm already embarrassed about the car. And it's after school, and I've got to go home. And guess what I have to carry? From band hall all the way out to the other side of campus 
to where my mom was parked on the other side of the street from the school. The tuba. And there was only one way to carry that one. You had to put it on and rest it on your shoulders. So here is Carl McLaughlin walking through Crane Junior High School with all the girls laughing at Carl McLaughlin. It was not cool. I'm walking through my mom. Now, normally my mom was very supportive of me. She looks up. She has no idea that I'm playing the tuba. She looks up and she sees me walking down the sidewalk and I can see I'm watching her. I can see her and she goes. My mom starts laughing at me. If my mom's embarrassed of me and laughing, it's a bad day. And I'll get a little bit closer and she just says, she's smiling and she's, all of a sudden she tries to get the smile. And she says, well, son, what do you have? What, what are you doing? I said, mom, Mr. Cowan's making me play the tuba. She cracked up laughing. Had to put that crazy thing in. She said, she said, son, let you know, we talk about it now. She said, son, I'd be in there. She was a school teacher, senior English teacher. She would be grading papers. She said, I'd be in the kitchen grading papers. And all of a sudden, I would hear, <laughs> She said, son, I didn't want to tell you then, but it sounded terrible. Man, I am telling you what. Twelve-year-old connected with this Pentecostal boy. Here comes trouble. We were in the band together, every class together. I mean, you, we were so mischievous, we figured out ways to get in trouble. We thought we would hide it. I told you about that story. He said, hey, Carl, he said, go sharpen your pencil. Meet me at the pencil sharpener. You know, you, know, you had certain things. It's like, <coughs> cough twice if the answer's A. You know, you just, you got little formulas worked out and, and it's like, okay, so Carl, go to the pencil sharpener and the thermostat is up there. And so this was third hour, Miss Wheeland, Miss Wheeland. And so we went up to the pencil sharpener and you remember you sharpening your pencil, you'd raise your hand, Miss Wheeland, can I go sharpen my pencil? Yes, Carl, you can go sharpen your pencil. Well, Andy was right in front of me. Andy sharpens his pencil. He said, Carl, you dare me? I said, what? He said, you dare me to turn up the thermostat to about 100 degrees? It's going to get hot in here. I was like, dude, let's do it, man. Let's do it. And so, you know, we're like, <clears throat> well, the problem is it's every class was about 50 minutes. So we didn't have time for it to get hot. But the suspense got Andy so bad. The next day we went to school, he raises his hand. And he said, Miss Whelan? She said, yes, Andy. He said, did it get hot in here yesterday? <laughs> Duh. She said, it got as hot as an oven in here yesterday. <laughs> to which then she opened up her drawer and she pulled out two pink slips. A pink slip is when they put your name on it and they, the infraction and you're going to the principal's office. Well, that meant that you were going to Mr. Slotik's office. And Mr. Slotik was a huge German man. And that was back in the day where they gave you pops. And that was back in the day where they had paddles. And they would tell you, all right, Carl, you're going to get four swats. Put your hands on the chair. And literally in the principal's office, you would have to bend over, grab the chair, and go. Oh! Now, Mr. Nichols, he was nice. He would go, boom, 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 real quick. You got it out of the way. Mr. Slotik, pow, sting. Pow, sting. Pow, sting. Pow. I won't tell you one day when I knew I went to the office seventh hour and I knew the next day I was going to get pops. I won't tell you what I did to make sure that I absorbed the pops a little bit easier when I went to school the next morning. Crane Junior High, Victoria, Texas. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the church is the field. The Bible says that the world is the field. 
12-year-old Carl McLaughlin was the soil. 12-year-old Andy Howard was the sower. And the Word of God was the seed. When the seed, and I'm just telling you this, I didn't get the Holy Ghost until I was 20 years old. But it wasn't us getting together that was just a coincidence. And as much trouble as we got into, I even went to church with Andy and we sat in the back and one night that Brother Kite was preaching. We were, I was 12 years old. Didn't get the Holy Ghost till I was 20. But I went to church with Andy when I was 12. Not a coincidence. I just thought we were buddies and we were just going to go have fun at church. We got to cutting up and giggling so much. That's why we sit young people up at the front. We got to cutting up and giggling so much in church. Andy said, or Andy's mama, uh, Sister Howard said, Andy, get up and get on this side of me. Carl, you stay right there. This was in the middle of Thursday night preaching. You didn't pull stunts like that with Brother Kite. And I just remember him turning red in the face and preaching and pointing his finger right back at us. And I'm just thinking, my God, man, I just want to come have fun with Andy. I don't want to get preached at. And, and man, we're about that time. And I'm looking over here behind Sister Howard's back and Andy looks over at me. We start cracking up laughing again. All this stuff in the house of God. Wasn't a coincidence that I met Andy Howard. And he had no intention at that time in our lives of teaching me a Bible study and winning me to the Lord. But something was happening when I was 12 years old that God was putting a seed in my life that later on at 20 years of age when I was ready to blow my brains out and commit suicide because trouble was all over the place, I went back to that same church Receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not a coincidence. Let me just tell you right now. With God, there are no coincidences. It wasn't an accident that I met Andy Howard. It wasn't an accident that I went to that Pentecostal church. It, God had a plan. God knew I would be pastoring this church at that time. He knew about this service. And he planted that seed when I was 12 years old. I wonder what God's doing in somebody's life today. I wonder what's happening right now in this place today. Not an accident that you're in this house. Not an accident that you've come to church today. Yeah. A seed was planted in my heart. The mixture of the Word and the Spirit, my love for the Lord started growing. A supernatural work that came to full increase. God gives the increase. Andy planted. Brother Kite watered. And on February 23rd, 1989, that Thursday night, God gave the increase. But let me just tell you something, and I'm going to be very open and transparent with my life right now. Some of these things that I'm about to tell you, I, I, I reserved some of them until my children were much, much older. I would tell some of my testimony, but not all of my testimony until my children reached an age where they're like, oh my God, my dad really did that stuff. And, uh, but they're old enough now to, to be mature enough to hear it. Um, and so before I was a little bit more reserved. Let me just tell you something. When that seed was planted in my heart at 12 years of age... And God knew that I was called to preach. In fact, I'll read a passage of Scripture that God, before the world began, appointed us to preach. That's what he said about Paul. Paul said, I was appointed a preacher before the world began. In a dysfunctional home, in a broken home, in pain, in alcohol, God had already appointed me to be a preacher. And he knew that I needed an Andy Howard in my life. He knew that when I was 12 years of age, I needed the seed planted in my life because I was about to go through some real dark times. I was about to go through some times when I didn't know if I was going to make it out or not. But a seed was planted in my heart. Come on, young people. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. Plant that seed in somebody's life. It could be that they're appointed to preach. It could be that they're appointed to do a work of the ministry. Seed was planted at 12, but from 12 to 20, it took seasons of darkness. Like, I went through seasons of deep, deep darkness. In fact, I reached, one night, I reached the point of death. Literally, the point of death. That same night, I met the devil face to face, literally through a human being. I was in my house. It was about 2.30 in the morning. And I had 
done so much, I'd done so many drugs that I laid down on the couch and I watched my heart and my heart was pounding so heavy. I looked down, it was pounding so fast and it was pounding so heavy that I thought to myself, I was about, mm, I was 20 years old at that time. I thought to myself, I'm about to die. This is it. I'm ODing right now. I'm, I'm literally ODing right now and I'm not going to make it out. I, this is it. And, and, and that same night, there was a, one, of, one of our friends, his name was Ted. Ted was there at my house and, and Ted and I, we, we fought a lot and we didn't like one another. And, and, and that night, our minds were like really blown and Ted, Ted was looking at me and he started almost like he went into this chanting and I looked at him and I thought even even as blown as I was I thought man something's wrong right now I feel the devil in this house and all of a sudden Ted's eyes rolled into the back of his head and he went into this like trance and when he looked at me his eyes rolled back and words I'm telling you I'd never been in a Pentecostal church I'd never heard about tongues the first introduction I ever had with tongues was from the devil and and the devil literally wanted to kill me that night and all of a sudden he started speaking and when he started speaking a language started coming out of him and when it did I tapped him on the shoulder and when I tapped him on the shoulder it's like he came back into reality and he looked at me and he said what just happened what just happened and he was thinking and I was thinking did we just hallucinate was what's going on here did did that really just happen and it really did just happen I said Ted did you realize the language what you were saying did you so so when I came into church and and you guys told me you need to speak with other tongues to be, to have the evidence that that's the Holy Ghost my first reference point was that of the devil when I saw the devil and so I had to look in the scripture but when I saw it in the Bible where people literally spoke in tongues when they received the Holy Ghost I had to climb that barrier all of us have barriers to climb when we get the Holy Ghost but when you see it in the word when you see it in the word Devil, you're not going to plant a negative seed in my mind that keeps me. I'm just telling you, when I was 12 years old playing the tuba, hanging out with Andy Howard, it wasn't a coincidence. God knew I needed Andy Howard in my life because eight to, to, to nine years later, I was going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God knew I needed that voice of Andy in my life uh, when I was about to OD and I didn't know if I was going to make it out of that night. Either the devil was going to kill me or drugs were going to kill me. But God knew I was appointed a preacher. It's not a coincidence. With God, there are no coincidences. He knows what you need today. He knows what you're going through. That's why you're sitting in this room right now. Can we clap our hands to Him? Can we give Him praise? Not a coincidence that God filled you with the Holy Ghost. Not an accident. I went through seasons and I went through pain. But the seed was planted when I was 12. I went through pain of watching friends die. I went through the pain and the struggle of watching some of my best friends kill other people. Like literally kill other people. Like walked into a bar with a 38 pistol and walked in and shot a woman who was pregnant because he was so wired on cocaine that he was coming down off of it and he needed more and, and he pushed himself to that point. Like these are the people I was running around with. I remember watching Rocky Salinas, one of my best friends, and Rocky Salinas had gone in Victoria, Texas. Sister Crossy, you know what I'm talking about right now. Rocky Salinas went down to what's called under the hill and you did not go under the hill. You did not go under the hill. Rocky was so messed up that he went under the hill. And when he went under the hill in Victoria, it'd probably be like going to stop six now. He, he went under the hill and, and Rocky never made it out. They took Rocky into a field where there were some trees and they pulled his belt off of him. They put it around his throat and they strangled Rocky Salinas and they left his body in the field. Like that was one of my best friends. That's, that, was, that was the group I was running with. But God let me meet Andy Howard. 
And God appointed me to be a preacher before the world began. And he knew that he was going to keep me away when that went with Rocky. He knew he was going to keep me away from Brian Garcia when Brian Garcia was stabbing somebody 12 times. He knew he was going to keep me away when Isaac White shot that woman. He knew that he was going to keep me over here because he knew February 23rd, 1989, Carl McLaughlin's going to walk into the Jesus Church in Victoria and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you, God kept me. You can say whatever you want to say. When I was so lost and undone and about to get killed out in the world, God kept me. It's not a coincidence and it's not an accident. Somebody help me in this house right now. God knows where you're at, Tom. God knows what you're going through and it's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. God knows and he's pulling you in. Jackie, it was no coincidence that you came in contact with Steve. Somebody give God praise right now. I feel like he's going to save somebody. It's not a coincidence that you were introduced to Pentecost and the power of Pentecost. Listen, Brother Mac. Brother Mac, Sister Claudia, if I can make a make a, a, a personal illustration here. Claudia was working, met Brother Mac. Brother Mac invited her to church. That's not a coincidence. I would not have my daughter-in-law, Gabby, right now if that situation would not have happened. But Brother Mac reached out to Claudia. Claudia came to church all these years later. Look what the Lord has done. John Michael and Gabby preached at a Spanish church today. My son's bilingual. That's not an accident. That's not coincidence. That's the divine hand of God. That's the divine hand of God. Nothing is coincidental in God's kingdom. Some of you are going through some things and you don't understand why you're going through them. Hold on, baby. Hold on. God knows where you're at. It's not coincidence that you're going through the storm and you're going up and down. God's got his hand of providence over all of it and he's going to bring you to a desired end. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. How does all that happen? You and I can't put that together. It's God that does that. Took seasons. Some of you will understand what I'm about to say. Some of you won't, and you don't want to, and you should never. It took a season of a cop pulling me over. Remember, Mr. Cowan said, You need to play the tuba. I need you to sit right next to Andy Howard. Not a coincidence that Mr. Cowan had me sit right next to Andy Howard, the Pentecostal, who would plant a seed in my heart because at 12 years of age, I would go to church with him because when I was 20, I would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God knew that I needed that connection so that when I started going through all of this junk and all of this nonsense, I had a lifeline. I had hope. I had, I, in my mind, I always remembered the Jesus Church. I always remembered that Pentecostal church. It, 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 took, it took that season where all of a sudden, whoo, Sir, get out. Put your hands behind your back. I'm in high school now. I'm on the varsity baseball team. And it just so happens at that time that one of the parents drive by and see me and report it to my coach. I get kicked off the baseball team. That was my life. I didn't have church. I didn't have a supported family. The baseball team was my family. My coach was one of the only ones that I would hear from a male voice, Carl, good job. Carl, man. My coach would say, that's the million dollar pitch. That's the million dollar pitch. That's the only positive voice I had. And then when that report came, that positive male voice was gone because of this. 
the most embarrassing moment ever was having to call my mom and say, Mom, I'm in jail. And she had to call our neighbor who also was our attorney. And another gentleman had to drive down when I was a teenager to Victoria County Jail and get me out of jail. But it was no coincidence that I met Andy Howard when I was 12 years of age. And God knew that just in a couple of years from that point, I was going to get sick and tired of the world. And I was going to walk into the Jesus Church on that Thursday night and hear the message preached. And hear the message wasn't a coincidence. It was just the season. And it was just the timing. I had to go through a season of a broken family. I had to go through the season of my dad walking out out on me. I had to go through a season of my dad never sending me a birthday card. I had to go through birthday after birthday after birthday and never getting a phone call from my dad. But all of that was the soil for that seed to come up. The roots went down. The plan of the call of God came up. And none of it was an accident. Every bit of it God took it and used it for His divine purpose and His divine plan. And I feel like God is working on somebody's life today you're going through things you thought you would never face or never go through but God has a purpose and a plan for your life before you judge me too harshly let me remind you of what Paul said of himself in 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry When did he count him faithful? Not when he was faithful. Before he was even faithful, God's foreknowledge and God's plan counted him faithful. When? He said in verse 13, who was before a blasphemer. He had letters and a decree to kill Christians. He was there when Stephen was martyred. A persecutor and injurious. The word injurious means an insolent man, one who uplifted with pride, either heaps insult, insulting language upon others or does some shameful act of wrong toward them. It was in Paul to hurt people. It was in the Apostle Paul's heart to injure people. But when he got the Holy Ghost, he wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and talked about the love of God. I'm just telling you right now what God can do with a wicked, sinful, messed up heart who blasphemed who cursed who was filthy who was a drug addict who was messed up but when he got the Holy Ghost when he got the Holy Ghost God changed everything Come on, Jacob, it was not a coincidence that you had to spend some time on the streets of California because that would be part of your testimony and that would be part of your ministry. It's not a coincidence that you went through everything that you did, but you're here. God gave you a beautiful wife. God put your life back together. We ought to give God some praise in this house. It's not a coincidence. God knew you needed to be here. Somebody give him praise. That's what I'm talking about. God knew. God knew. God knew. Some of you need to be praising him right now. He brought you out of the miry clay. He set you on a rock. Somebody praise him. Out of the meth house out of the hell house, out of drug addiction, out of that party life. Not a coincidence that you came in contact with Pentecostal power and the power set you free and the power gave you a right mind and the power of God set your life straight. With God there are no coincidences. Somebody praise Him. He said, before, yeah, before, that's good, give him praise. Before I was a blasphemer, before I was a persecutor, before I was injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. 
I didn't even know what I was doing out there. But when I came to Pentecost, when I came to Pentecost, when I came to Pentecost, when I came to the truth, when I walked in as a suicidal 20-year-old boy, I came to Pentecost. I came to what changed my life. It wasn't an accident that I walked in there. It wasn't coincidence. God used Andy. God used Vince. God used Brother Kite. God used everybody in that church. What? Wasn't coincidence. It's not coincidence that you're here. Man. You know, some of you know, if I could take some of you back to my home life, if I could hit the rewind button and let you hear the voices, the cruel, angry, demonic voices that came out of my mother. When I first got into the church, she said, she, I walked in one night to the house. I prayed, God, give me a job so I'll have enough money to at least afford my own apartment. I was 20 years old. And I said, God, if I'm going to live for you, there's no way I can stay in that house with her. I mean, the devil just came out of her all of the time, all of the time, all of the time. Had the television blaring all of the time and hell was coming through the television. It didn't take me, I didn't have to be in the church 20 years to figure out in some Pentecostal conviction that says you don't need to be watching that. Before I even got the Holy Ghost, I was listening to that garbage come out of the television and there was something in my spirit saying, man, I don't want to live like that. I don't, I don't want to do that stuff. I don't want to entertain myself with that stuff. I said, God, would you please give me a job? Would you please give me a job to make enough money so that I can move out and live by myself at 20 years of age? Kenzie, that's why I've watched your life. Sweetheart, I watched you as a TBC student. You did it all on your own. You lived the same type, and I watched you work so hard. I think at times working two jobs to get through Bible college. I did the same thing. And I watched you. And I told my wife when you were just a student, I said, you watch that young lady. God's got his hand on her and she's committed. She's committed to this truth. Wasn't a coincidence. Wasn't a coincidence or an accident that you were introduced to Pentecost. And somewhere God singled you out and said, you're not going to repeat what your mama repeated. You're not going to repeat all of that nonsense. <laughs> Baby, you listen to me. That spirit is not on you. It will never be on you. You broke it in the name of Jesus. You will never repeat that pattern. No, in the name of Jesus, God set you free. He set me free. He set you free. Come on, the power of Pentecost breaks patterns. The power of Pentecost set you free. Somebody give him praise in this house. Albert, you know what I'm talking about. No. You were in jail. When Miriam first came to the church on Midway, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Coming to the altar, Miriam was weeping. She said, Pastor, I don't know if Albert, when he gets out, I don't know if he's going to make it. We've been through this time after time. I don't know. I said, Miriam, let's just trust God. Let's just trust God. Let him get in the church. Let him be faithful to the church. Let the teaching of the Bible get inside of his heart. Just let's, let's, let's walk together. Miriam, I'm telling the truth. I'm not exaggerating one thing. Albert came. Albert came to to the church on Midway. Albert prayed through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know how many years ago that was, but look what the Lord has done. Eight years. Eight years he was an alcoholic, but eight years and he's never had another drop. Look what the Lord has done. It wasn't an accident that you came to Calvary. Wasn't now all of a sudden Eli's playing a keyboard. Would Eli even be playing a keyboard if a daddy wouldn't have broken a curse? If a mama wouldn't have held on to God when her husband was in jail? It's not a coincidence. It's the power of Pentecost. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. He's breaking chains today. He's breaking chains today. Man, 
I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. You know, some of you know, you know when you come to church and you're hearing the voice of God, you're hearing the voice of a preacher, and you're hearing the voice of your past. All, all at the same time, crashing in on you. And people have no idea that you're processing all that right in the middle of a church service. You're trying to, you may be even be talking in tongues, but all of a sudden, that was of the devil. All of a sudden, your mom's voice says, why don't you go ahead and speak in tongues? All of a sudden, your mom's voice says, you're in a cold. All of a sudden, all this stuff starts flying at you. And you know what you do? Let me tell you what I did. Let me just tell you how I survived those first couple of years. Every time that would hit me, there's no way that I would ever park my car and sit there and put it in neutral and say, okay, tell me more, devil. Oh, okay, let me sit here and listen to you for a little bit, devil. I didn't know a lot about the Bible. I didn't know a lot about the Word of God, but I knew how to worship. I knew how to put my worship shoes on. And I said, all right, God, I'm going to church. And every time doubt would come into my mind, every time that spirit would hit me, I'd throw my hands in the air. I promise you, I would run the aisle. I would take off. I would run a lap. And not because I really understood everything, but because I was putting some roots down. Saying, I'm never going back to that world again. I'll run the devil. You're going to have to run the aisles with me. But I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. Come on, you got to make up your mind. you got to give God praise. Somebody's got to make up their mind to give Him praise. Somebody's got to make up their mind to give Him praise. You get your hands in the air. You do whatever you have to do to keep the victory. You do whatever you have to do to keep the victory. You're not getting my mind, devil. You're not getting my heart, devil. You're not getting my family, devil. You're not getting the pulpit, devil. You're not getting the church, devil. Give him praise. Dylan. Go ahead, Dylan. That's letting the devil know who's boss. That's letting hell know who's in charge. That's letting hell know I'll never go back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. <laughs> not a coincidence. Not a coincidence I met Dylan when he was a student. Not a coincidence that I met Dylan in section seven years ago when he was just a teenager and God knew. It wasn't a coincidence. God knew one day he'd get married to Crystal. God knew one day he was going to have a baby. God knew one day he needed to plant himself back in the house of God. And here he is. my wife I tell my wife and my kids all the time and no I don't know Bob I don't know I don't know all I know is you're here all I know is I'm so thankful you're here I tell my wife I tell my kids all the time I'm just so proud of Noah I've, we never even talked I've never even opened up the, the book of his heart but I just see things in this young man I just want to wrap my arms around him I just want to love on him. I just want him to know this is a safe place. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so proud of you being in the youth choir. I'm, I'm so proud of what you're doing for God. I'm so proud of how you're so committed. I'm so proud of how you never miss church. I'm so proud of how sharp you look. I'm so proud of you giving your life to God. God loves you. God's got something so special for you. It's not a coincidence, Nidia. Not an accident, Nidia, that you brought Noah to church. God have mercy, man. Some of you know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We look at each other. 
And I looked at that July 4th, that upper room, you're shouting, pray back to, talking in tongues. What was that, how many years ago? Six years ago. But had the video still, PD Eels put that video out there. It's like, how in the world did Rex make it through? But Mac, when I look back, you and we've talked, had so many, how did we make it through? Not a coincidence that God put us all together. Not a co- we've got a work of God to do together. We've got something powerful to do together. It's not a coincidence. Let's have revival. Let's have revival. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on people. I don't care how low they are. I don't care how messed up they are. Don't give up on people. I don't care if they're incarcerated. I don't care if they've they've done this number for the last five years. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Man, I played the tuba. When I first got in church, I'd go to camp meeting. Very first camp meeting I went to, I was broke, man. I was so broke. Went to Goodwill, had five bucks, laid five dollars down. They had a, they had a forty-four, they had a forty-four jacket. And here's the problem with forty-four jacket. The problem with forty-four jacket is, is about thirty-eight waist. Well, that's no window for me. I got that belt, man. Pockets were touching in the back. I said, I, I don't care how much I shout, I'm going to keep my jacket on because if I take my jacket off, man, they're going to see the pockets touching because the, the pants were so baggy. Didn't have any money to get them fixed. Had five bucks. Got me a nice Navy suit. Went to Texas camp meeting. Didn't even know what Texas camp meeting was. be free I didn't have any aspirations to do anything 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 if you would have told me that I was going to get to do half the things I've been able to do that night man that song kicked off Texas camp meeting the old campgrounds that song kicked off that old goodwill blue suit said let's take a lap baby and I'm telling you I took off this 20 year old I took off I ran so fast you got to understand I was waiting until I turned 21 so that I would be legal so that I could go out and get a couple of kegs of beer I wanted to be able to just go out and be legal and have a couple of kegs and on my 21st birthday check this out this is one of the highlights of being in church instead of having a keg of beer I was with some church friends and they bought me a cake and for the first time it was a Bible with my name on it Acts 238 on it that's what God does that's what God does I didn't want a keg of beer I wanted the Bible I wanted to preach I wanted to be in church I want to go to heaven this is it this is it this is everything There's nothing else out there. This is it. Man, I'd listen to him sing. I'd listen to him sing. I thought, all right, God, I'm going to pray. You've answered all my other prayers. I'm going to pray. I prayed, God, give me a voice to sing. Give me a voice to sing. So that put me in a choir. Sister Dorothy, Sister Dorothy at Victoria Church said, Brother Carl, are you going to sing in the choir? I said, Sister Dorothy, I don't know. She said, come on, we need you to inquire. So I prayed. I said, God, just would you touch my voice? Would you touch my voice and let me sing? And I got in the choir, and I'm back here. I'm like, I think we were in the center. I'm singing away. I'm singing away. And she's up there directing. And I'm not feeling real confident, but I'm doing it. You know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All those Pentecostal cliches, man, I was living it out. And it didn't work. And she stopped the whole choir. And she said, wait a minute, somebody's off. I knew it was me. 
I knew, I knew what, and I'm like, oh my Lord, I felt like a deer in a headlight, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh God, I worship you. She said, let's sing again. So man, I started singing again. I started singing again. She said, wait, 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 stop. Somebody's off. She walked over here, whatever section that was, altos, I think so. What's over here? Sopranos, tenors. She's listening, she's listening. She, y'all keep singing, y'all keep singing. She walks up, and I'm literally, I'm telling you the truth. She did this number. She gets right up to me. And I'm singing. She goes, ooh. I'm a new convert. Don't crush me. I'm just learning how to walk in this thing. She said, okay, Brother Carl, in front of everybody by myself. Okay, Brother Carl, here's what I want you to do. And then I think it was her husband, her Brother Robert Rodriguez, was right next to me. He said, sing, then match, the, match them. What do you call that? Where they sing and you're supposed to match the pitch. Pitch, yeah. So, so they were doing that, and I promise, in my mind, it was just like that. But what she was telling me was like, that's not happening. You're off. And I would start on, and it would go up, and it would just, I couldn't get it. I just couldn't get it. I was so frustrated. I was like, man, I just remember, God, you work miracles. Just touch my, because I, I wanted to be one of those preachers that I could preach, and I could stop right in the middle of my preaching and just sing a little bit. Because I just, man, I, I just, I love to sing. I just can't sing. And, and I just love to worship. Here's the deal. God gave me a son who does what I always dreamt of doing and so much more. Every time I watch Blake up here, I'm like, my God, I prayed for that. And God, God told me this morning, said, I didn't give it to you, but I wanted to give it to your son so that you could have double blessing watching your son do that. He's doing everything I wanted to do. That's being in church. If I wouldn't have stayed in church, I'd never get to see this. Don't you dare quit. Don't you dare backslide. God's doing a work. God's doing a work. God's doing a work. I could keep going, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna conclude with this. With God, there are no coincidences. How many of you remember Seth McCartney from Service Master? How many of you remember when the roof got destroyed and Service Master came in and we needed the massive blowers and there were only a couple of people in the state? Am I, am I, am I accurate? Hmm. Yeah. And, and so, but there were only a couple of people in the state that had them. So they call this young man from Tyler. His name is Seth. He brings them here, and you remember, you would drive into the church, and they would be sitting out there. Seth wanted Bible studies. Seth started coming to church, and Seth went to seminary. And Seth learned in seminary, but he would go to his professor, and he would ask certain biblical questions about baptism, Holy Spirit, things of that nature. And he said, he told me, he said, he said Carl, he said he would never answer me. And he said, I just want a preacher that can answer some of these questions. And so we went to a softball tournament. Rex and I, it rained. Rex and I are in the Jeep. God sent the rain. It wasn't a coincidence that it rained. Rex, Seth, and I are sitting in my Jeep. And for an hour and a half, we are talking baptism. We're talking doctrine. We're talking everything. Boom, the light is turned on. Seth sees it. The problem is, is that Seth's father-in-law pastors a non-denominational church. His wife is the worship leader. His brother-in-law is on staff at that church. And so while Seth saw the revelation of Jesus' name baptism, and he was right on the threshold, he said, man, I, he said, I talked to my wife about it, and he said, it's just, it's just going to be too much of a war. It's going to be too much of a war. Are you ready for this? That was what, that was probably eight months ago that he was here? Probably eight months ago that he was here? Got a phone call from Chad Mooney. Not a coincidence. He said, Pastor, he said, you're never going to believe whose backyard I'm standing in right now in White House, Texas, right outside of Tyler. 
He said, do you know Seth McCartney? He said, I'm, he, Carl and Jana Ford are looking to buy a house. And the house is right next door to Seth's house. With God, there are no coincidences. With God, there are no coincidences. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. So, so Carl and Jana, Chattanoe, get home from their vacation, Gatlinburg. They go over to Carl and Janice. Carl and Janice said, hey, we want to show you the house. So they drive over to the house. They're in the backyard. Seth and his wife are in the backyard. Next door, they've got a swimming pool. Carl and Janice were talking about if they buy the house, they want to build a swimming pool. So Seth is out there and Seth says, hey, y'all come over and look at my swimming pool. So for 40 minutes, Carl and Janice, Chattanoe are in Seth's backyard. They're sitting there talking, and he said, and, and at this point, they didn't know. And so Seth's telling him, so yeah, I work for Service Master, said disaster response, said, if you guys are ever in need, said, yeah, we just, we, we did a, a job recently in Euless, Texas. And Chad said, in Euless? And he said, Brother McLaughlin, he said, I knew what happened to the roof. And he said, so I asked Seth, I said, it didn't happen to be Calvary Pentecostal Church, is it? And he said, yes, that's it, Carl McLaughlin. Chad Mooney said, all of us are from the church in Euless. That's my pastor. <laughs> Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. God knows where we're at. He knows. I talked to Chad. And Chad said, he said, Brother McLaughlin, Seth pulled his phone out pulled your name up and he said look at this he said he started scrolling through it and he said look at all the questions I asked that man and he said that man answered every one of my questions and he said I never really got to tell him he said but that man has no idea how he impacted my life while I was in Euless. Seth texted me Saturday night Saturday night and said jockey and crip because I called Chad jockey because of the way he wore, uh, the way that he would ride a four wheeler when we'd go riding in Munster, Texas, Chad would get up on that four wheeler like a jockey on a horse. So I nicknamed him Jockey. And, and Danelle, Danelle messed up her ankle one time, and she's walking around the church like this. So I nicknamed her Crip. So Seth texts me. He said, "Hey," he said, "Jockey and Crip said to tell you hello. They're in my backyard." I text Seth. I said, Seth, you'll never meet finer people in the world than Chad and Danelle Mooney. And I paused for about two or three minutes and I said, FYI, you see the big picture, don't you? With God, there are no coincidences. Seth loves to study the Bible, like loves to study the Bible. He'll ask you some very hard questions. He told Chad, he said, your church is on Wednesday night? Chad said, yes. He said, well, our church is on Tuesday night. He said, I've looked up the website. Your church is five minutes from where I live. He said, that means on Wednesday nights, my wife and I, can come to your church with God there are no coincidences Seth had talked to his wife she, they watched, she watched our services she said I don't think I can be Pentecostal I said, I don't know if I can, the holiness deal. Here's what she told Seth. She said, that couple 
when they came and looked at the house. I've been praying that God would open the door, and I don't know what's going to happen, that God would open the door that they would be able to buy that house. And Seth said, why? His wife said to Seth, look at them. You can tell they're Christian. He said, how do you know? He said, look at the way they dress. You can just look at the way they dress and know that they're Christian people. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for distinction. Thank you for separation. It makes a difference in the world is watching. It makes a difference in the world is watching. And you're classy, distinct, godly, joyfully modest. That's the key, joyfully modest. Not frowny face modest. Not a have to modest. Joyfully modest. The world says, I want them to be my neighbor. That's not a coincidence. And then for them all to find out they're from Euless. So whether it's Andy and you're 12 years old and you don't know why, you got to play the tuba. Or you're Carl and Jana driving around White House, Texas looking for a house to buy. And you don't know why it's that house that you want. With God, there are no coincidences. What an amazing message we heard from our pastor today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to stay connected with the Church and Podcast, don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms at Facebook and Instagram at Calvary Ulyss, or visit our website at calvaryulyss.org. That's Calvary. Ulyss.org, and we cannot wait to see you there. God bless.